烧钱烧饭。A lovely, glorious day outside. Sun is shining, blue skies, green grass, birds are tweeting, and we're stuck inside recording a podcast with a Stasi hat. That's right, Stasi hat. It's time to delve back inside. I feel. Let's go for it. Let's have a feel for it. It's for forage in the hat. I'll go in then. Yep, you go in there. You got some paper, have you? Yep. Right. Okay. And the results from the Stasi hat. Jo- Sorry, no. We'll leave that. It's at sport. And there are some obscure sport in uh, one of the Mediterranean countries where they just put a giant ball in the sea and two teams of the rope round it have to pull it so that one colour is completely submerged. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that particular sport. I mean, what's Maybe it called? I do now. What's I don't have no idea what it's called, but I remember reading an article about obscure sports somewhere. Sport in general, then. What are your feelings on sport, I suppose, would be a good place to start, and then we can branch off from there. Okay. I feel that... I don't play enough. Particular reason for that? I'm lazy bastard. <laughs> okay, that's your personal opinion of sport itself. What about watching, spectating? Is it important to your life? I like it. You like it? Yeah. Like it. I feel like I'm talking to <laughs> Avril Lavigne here. That's the standard of uh, response I'm getting from this. I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on my own experience of sport then. And uh, hopefully this will help you open up a bit. I like it. <laughs> that's not it oh right that's, no I'm in favour of sport let me get that straight from the start I, I like it I enjoy watching certain types of sport and I wish I had time and effort to put into playing more sport however I'm almost criminally unskilled when it comes to any particularly any sport that's worth doing I'm probably not that good at football I look like a hunchback when I'm running because I have to concentrate that hard on the ball that my head is down, I'm not looking where I'm going, and I'm just, I can't, couldn't dribble at all. Have you seen that video of the uh, scantily clad women playing muddy football? I've, I've seen it, Hot yeah. Video. I don't think they're, um, they haven't got good passing skills, I wouldn't think. <laughs> not on a muddy pitch. I was going to ask you, bras. do you look like them playing football? And, and quite evidently you don't look no, like them playing football. But what I mean is, do you have a similar skill set? Yeah, I feel I would be on the pitch more for the glamour I bring to the game. <laughs> yeah, more, maybe not more, more than my uh, my skill. Not what skill sets you share, what skill sets you don't share. That's the yeah. I think yeah. would probably be more accurate. Yeah, I'd like those women in that video. What I can't remember what video it is. Now. No, it's a remix of a remix of a dance song that has, doesn't really need to be remixed in the first place. It's one of those videos where they're increasingly becoming more and more scantily clad. Is it that? Touch me one more time on Lonsdale Beach. They're probably not the actual lyrics. <laughs> on Lonsdale Beach. That's, on Skeg- That's what it sounds on like. On Skegness Pier. <laughs> I have no skills whatsoever when it comes to that. My feet are just, they're there for walking, possibly running, certainly not for controlling anything with a degree of skill. I quite like playing squash, but again, it's more because I like hitting the ball really hard rather than probably any skill I bring to it. Do you like playing by yourself? Yeah, I'm in favour of it. For us watching those kind of videos? Hey, I could play squash while watching those kind of videos. I wouldn't mind hammering my balls particularly hard while I'm watching that video. Whatever, you know. I think we've strayed on my own. Frankie Howard territory here. Oh, titty not. 
it is off the point of sport, but I, I feel it's a subject that we've strayed upon. Dance music videos, yeah. is it possible for them to get more saucy than they actually are anymore? Only but that's it. At the minute, they're in that comfortably saucy area, but anymore, and they're going to be getting into the out-and-out, blatantly provocative, erotic area. They get into the stage, that, like a lot of hip-hop videos, the women aren't there to be a bit saucy and just giggle around in their pants. They're there just for so women being objectified. And I think at the minute, that's the difference. Dance videos are a carry-on film, whereas hip-hop videos, it's a bro- approaching basically pornography. In fact, when you look at Doggy Style that Snoop Dogg produced and the ludicrous uh, video Pussy Popping. That is a ludicrous title. Yeah. It's ludicrous. Yeah, it's ludicrous is what it is. To bring it that back to sport, you can't really do that. There isn't an obvious link. <laughs> <laughs> sport then. Ah. <laughs> sport then, eh? Yeah. Whoa. Game of Duval. Sick as a parrot. Rugby base. You've been to the new Wembley. I have, but yeah, I went to the first, well, I suppose the first match might have been if someone had a kickabout on that open day they had for the community. With Alan Shearer? Quite probably. I, I don't know about that. I, I think he, Alan Shearer played in a five-a-side tournament on the pitch. Really? The first thing. Damn it. Alan Shearer, possibly the dullest pundit in the world. In fact, we watched a match not long ago with him, comment, well, punditing. What, what's the verb for punditing? Punditating, possibly. Commenting, is, let's stick yeah. to that. He was commenting on a match, and he just seemed like he didn't really want to commit to anything. It was, this is all right, but they can improve. Well, that's thanks for the translation it's, because when I heard it, all I heard was Stotty, Nuki Brown. Beep. He isn't Charlie Brown's teacher. You've just a Morse code there. Have I? What to parrots? Can someone translate this for me? Morse code, I understand it in form of writing. If you've got an airwave open where you can talk to someone, why not just say, help me, I'm on this island, rather than send some dots and dashes. I suppose the idea is, it's code when you don't want anyone else to know, it's fine. But then everyone knows Morse code, so what's the point anymore? Because Morse code can be used in all kinds of things. You can use it as pulses of light. True. Sound. Writing, dots and dashes. I used to have a pair of walkie-talkies when I was really little, and they had a Morse code... um, Alphabet, I suppose I it is, those. on the bottom. I they were those. white. Somewhat it was cream colour. I think they had orangey buttons. Oh, mine were black. Possibly possibly black buttons with like little orange lining on some of them. And I tried for ages to try and talk to people in Morse code on the other end. And not one of them understood it at all. Because the problem was, there was a design error. You had to be looking at the walkie-talkie to be able to understand the Morse code. But, of course, you need it by your ear to hear the Morse code that someone's saying to you. Yeah. Design flaw. Maybe you should uh, create some new ones. Or where, walk- you, where you get a Morse code pamphlet. A walkie-looky. Enclosed. Would you, what's the point, though? Like you say, if you can put it to your mouth yeah. to talk. Talk? Yeah. Don't press. And again, you're pressing the button like that. You won't know which one you're pressing. I had some of those walkie-talkies like that. And I, I was looking through my dad's electronic box. And he had all kinds of wires and gizmos in there. 
and I uh, I got out this massive wire and I attached it to the antenna on my walkie-talkie <laughs> and then extended it and attached it to my bedroom outside my bedroom window, hoping that my friends in the neighbourhood would now be able to receive my walkie-talkie signal from a long way away. That's kind of, it was a bit of a boy's own adventure. <laughs> it, <laughs> you were almost trying to set up your own medium wave radio station it, to your friends. It didn't work, surprisingly. Was that um, an electronics kit? Was that like one for actual doing electrical things? Or was it like a toy box? Do I remember my brothers, probably from the late 60s, early 70s, they had a box and the toy was, it's an electronics kit, you've got a few like, I don't know, diodes and LEDs and a few slots and a basic circuit board that you could take things off and put them on again in different orders to make the same bulb flash a slightly different amount of times per minute. Mm. So was it one of them? No, more like a toolbox with full of full of bits and bobs right, for okay. fixing things with. If anything's going to work, that's more likely to work than a set of toys, isn't it? It's still unlikely <laughs> nonetheless. Attaching a set of toys to a walkie-talkie. You hadn't done your homework. I was inspired by that film. Have you ever seen... Um, Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's got a young Ethan Hawke in it and a young River Phoenix. They invent their own spaceship and go up into space. Basically, River Phoenix is a, a boy genius. And on his computer, he creates this like, bubble that he can control. And then he realises that he can make the bubble big enough to fit round whatever he wants it to. So he creates it to fit round a spaceship that they do. And then he can pilot it by typing in coordinates. I've never even heard of that film. The nearest thing I can think of to it is Flight of the Navigator. It was that era, but I can't think what it's called. It's like the Explorers or something. Where's the ledger? Yeah, well, here it is. I've got it. Ethan Hawke, did you say? Yeah. Was it a film that only employed young child actors who were named after birds? Yeah. <laughs> was there also a young um, Thomas Sparrow? I think there was a tit in there as well. Two of them, by the sounds of things. Your dad's dad's the harshest from speaking of the dead. I apologise to friends and family of River Phoenix. I thought you were talking about that bird that your cat killed last night. That was horrible. That's a sport though, isn't it? It's all down to instinct. The cat sees the bird and suddenly it becomes a game, a grand game of life and death, where the bird doesn't really know it's playing until its head's bitten off. And the cat, well, it's just sort of like toying with it. And that's, sport comes down to instinct, doesn't it? When you're on the field, I imagine. I don't play it often enough. Well, I, I don't play catch the bird, bite its head off very often at all. That would never have been made by Hanna-Barbera. Is sport not just a, a civilised outlet for what is basically aggression and um, a replacement for war? Yeah, I think so. To an extent. My, probably all my favourite kind of sport is the game of risk. It's not really a sport, is it? Well, you see, it's a replacement for war. It is a replacement for war, but I'd say I play risk and I get really irritated because I never win. And I think the problem I have with risk is that in a real war, your opponents can't see you moving and amassing an army in the state just next to where they are. And also, it's not reliant on you rolling a six and then rolling a two. Oh, it irritates me ever so much. This is going to sound like I'm a risk nerd. You are. But I've played it like maybe seven times in my life. And one of my friends consistently, all the time, starts building an army in the country next to the one you own. And you can tell he's like amassing it for an invasion. But he'll arrange them just as a wall. And he'll keep saying, it's, it's just a defensive wall. Well, put them somewhere else then. I'm not going to, I am going to invade you. That's the point of the game. You're not, we're not going to sit here for three hours and go, well, that was nice. We've all drawn. Let's not pussyfoot around here. You're trying to take over the world. Correct. Is risk spelling incorrect moral values to children? 
In what way? That you Empire and world domination. I think it is based in that old sort of empiricist view of the world where another country is just another bit of land for you to go and take over to add to the glory of your empire. Probably designed in like the 50s, I would have thought, when the idea of the British Empire was still very much alive and kicking. Not that board games are sports, like you said, but I don't like board games. I've, I've come to realise this over the years. Board games are called board games for one reason, and the only reason being is that they make me bored. There's a couple of board games I like, but not in the traditional sense. I could never sit down and play Snakes and Ladders, really. Or Ludo. Is it Ludo, the one where you've got have to go round and there's usually like a plastic thing in the middle you press, and for some reason you have to do that instead of roll the dice? Uh, and you each have four of the same colour and you have to get them all around and then you win. Yeah. Cluedo doesn't interest me at all, really, playing that. No, because effectively it's just a guessing game with a it little is. bit of an elimination involved. Yeah. Trivial Pursuit, I could play a million times so that I learn the answers to become unbeatable. But it's not a board game in the same way, is it? I think it's either that I'm a bad loser or that I don't like it when there's too much of an element of chance. Yeah. If, like it's, not, if it's not 100% skill, then I'm not interested. And I think that's the difference between a game and a sport, isn't it? Probably. Because you can't claim that a sport is something that is totally physical. Because I'm just thinking of examples like darts and snooker. You don't exactly have to be the world's fittest man to play darts. No, just look at darts players. Yeah, look at where darts takes place for a start. It's just in a pub, isn't it? Like in this country, certainly. Yeah, almost exclusively in this country, if we're honest. So is darts a sport or a game? I would say that because of the level of skill involved, darts is technically must be a sport. And that's the way I see it. If you can include shooting in the Olympics, which is a sporting event, that is, it's basically the same thing. It's hand-to-eye coordination. What about chess? There is a level where it becomes a sport is, is more about the physical aspect. Chess is, more, is mental. If it has an element of physical skill involved, then it's sport. I think that's the difference. Because, yeah, snooker, you have to think ahead and, you know, have to, there's a mental aspect to it. You have to know where your next shot's going to be and try and get the ball back to the way you need it for your next shot to be set up. But you then have to have the physical skill to execute that shot. Whereas with chess, I can imagine, in theory, you could be completely disabled. As long as someone can move it for you, you would technically still win. They couldn't move, win on their own without the mental skill behind it. King to pawn for. When you've got a person playing a computer, as has happened... No, I was talking about Stephen Hawking. I, I thought so. Bless him. I don't know if he plays chess. I like to think he does. Could beat me at it. But, yeah... Was it Deep Blue, the computer that played... No, they did Breakfast at Boris. What was the name of the group? It was Deep Blue something. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was called. Fascinating fact, they were called Deep Blue something because one of the members said, oh, we should call ourselves Deep Blue something. Really? And then, someone, and then it stuck. Wow, that's a factoid that I'm going to make a note of in my... Uh musicology section of my brain. I get lots of fascinating facts from the music channels. Especially uh, VH1 do a lot of comments about Did You Know? I think that's exactly where it came from. <laughs> Probably. They have a lot of themes, don't they? One hit wonders from the 90s, then it'll be like, now they're working in Tesco. Yeah. Exactly that sort of thing. But they were Americans, so probably Walmart. When you've got a computer playing someone at chess, obviously that's that, for me, completely negates it as a sport because you've got a robot doing it. Well, it's not a robot, it's a computer. Stephen's not a robot. I didn't mean Stephen Hawking. No. He's, a, he's a man of flesh and bone and hybridity. Do you like Robocop? Not really. 
Well, not at all, in fact. <laughs> there was that, was it a mayor of the North East or something? Like, oh, I can't remember, was it Newcastle or something? And he had a zero-tolerance approach to crime. And his nickname was Robocop. Just having a zero-tolerance approach to crime doesn't qualify you as a Robocop, does no. it? A zero-tolerance to WD-40 makes you a Robocop. Is that the oil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then he'd need it, surely, to keep his hinges nice. Not that I'm saying he had hinges in the way that a gate has hinges. Maybe I should have said zero intolerance. Yeah, I would think so. Imagine being a robot and being allergic to WD-40. How would you survive? That's like being a human and being allergic to any food whatsoever. <laughs> you strayed into the territory of 60 sci-fi cliches of robots eat nuts and balls <laughs> and oil. That's yeah. how they survive. Yeah. They don't, they're not battery powered. They eat nuts and bolts and oil. And the thing is, in those sort of situations, they never had any sort of function for the robot to expel any unused nuts and bolts. Metal Mickey, that sort of thing. Some people are allergic to water. How? They just are. But how? I can understand being allergic to things like cat hair and pollen, but how can you be allergic to something that is ultimately... It's what being a human and being necessary to being a human is based on. You need certain things. You can be allergic to light. Yes, you can. But is that not because your skin is just oversensitive to it rather than being allergic to it as such? Ledger? Yeah. Photophobia. No, I'd be scared of light, wouldn't it? It's photo, some photo disease. Allergy. <laughs> to me, an allergy is a physical aversion to something or a phys- an adverse physical reaction to something. Yeah. I'm allergic to board games, for example. Can't win at Monopoly. I'm allergic to dice. Possibly that might be, help you win at Monopoly, though. Put the dice in your hand. Get rid of it. You might roll a six every time. <laughs> there is only one way to win Monopoly. That's be the banker. Is that true? It's not, it's not true, no. It's the only way I win. By stealing money from the bank and putting it in my own. It's not really winning then, is it? It's cheating. What's your view of cheating in sport? Some people argue that cheating is, well, I'm using my natural nows to cheat, so I'm using an advantage. Eee, depends. Football. If you're going to dive to win a penalty, and that penalty wins you the match, that's cheating. I would argue that that's the case. Being English, we have to say that people are cheating all the time against us. If you're in a marathon and you want to win... You jump on a bike and cycle the last two miles to get ahead of people and they don't see you. You argue that it's your mental skill to have done that to get around. That's cheating. It depends on what you define cheating as. Probably football is the one where it is the murkiest. Is it cheating or is it a legitimate tactic that everyone knows about anyway? For example, if the ball crosses the line yes, and a goal isn't given, but you know for a fact that the ball has crossed your line, therefore a goal has actually been scored against you. Yeah. And you don't make the referee aware of it. Is that cheating? It's passive cheating, isn't it? It's accepting the fact that the decision is wrong. Yeah. Which And the, the second that you do that, if a decision goes against you at any point, you have no right to turn around and, and say anything about it. It's like, is there a difference between cheating... Unfair play. It's like you can win by... You, you haven't necessarily cheated, but you haven't played fairly. Because of the game that football is, it's because there's so much going on, so many bodies in an area at one time. If you dive, you know you, get, you can get away with it because it looks like it's happened. You haven't exactly cheated because maybe the bloke shouldn't have tackled you in the first place, but you've made it look worse than it is. You haven't played fairly 
but you haven't cheated. Mm. And does it get to a point where if everyone knows that some cheating is going on, does it at that point not become cheating anymore? Become, and become a tactic. The, the old adage, cheats never prosper, has bollocks. As Maradona yeah. is an absolute shining example of the fact that he even admits himself now that he used his hand. How can you not? Admit that. How can you not use your hand? <laughs> I meant in that particular match when he scored against England. Yeah. <laughs> Some people would argue that Peter Shilton, being the giant of a man that he was, shouldn't have really been beaten to the ball by the dwarf that is Maradona anyway. It's a fact. Peter Shilton wasn't a giant. What? Wasn't he a huge man? He was quite a big bloke. But he wasn't actually a giant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what height? Is it six foot? What's, what? There are certain heights, aren't they, where... At, Legally, you are a giant, and like if I think is if you're under five foot, you are technically a dwarf. I think it's above six foot seven. You're a giant. you're a giant. Wow, he was probably about a good six foot two at least, though, wasn't he? I think he was six foot exactly, if not five foot eleven. As modern goalkeepers go, I think he was quite short. Really, there's a story that when he was a young boy growing up, he desperately wanted to be a goalkeeper, but his mum said that he wouldn't, he couldn't grow up to be one if he wasn't tall. So he used to hang from the banister in his house whilst his dad pulled on his legs to try and make him grow bigger. They'd done their homework on biology. That's what I like. <laughs> you sure? Did they stand you in a bag of manure as well? <laughs> I'm gonna, I think that's something worth finding. I want to know Peter Shilton's height. He plays for Derby, you know. When Brian Clough was your manager. Yeah. Your manager. My manager, yeah. He used to get me up in the morning, tell me what I needed to do. Brian Clough taught of. you everything you know about going to the pub. Which is why my life is in ruins today. Yeah. He had a very red face, didn't he? Yeah. Tell you a lot of alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not funny. It's a serious disease. So what have we learned then? We've learned that sport is a metaphor for war and conflict. Robots can't play sport, but they can play games. We've got a few things for the ledger, I we know. Have. We've got, uh, we need to know the film that River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke were in. We need to know what it is when you're allergic to sunlight and whether it's an allergy or a disease and what the difference between the two are. I think there's something it's okay to be addicted to. Love? Robert Palmer yeah. certainly was. They killed him. Is he dead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to celebrity, know. I can guarantee you. You can guarantee me Robert Palmer is dead? Yeah. Oh, I should have called for a doctor, doctor. We want to know Peter Shilton's height. And I've just realised I want to know the name of that game where they've got to get the big ball under the water. Because I'm sure it was in, like, a, a book. When I, you know the sort of books you get when you're about, you know, five or something? It had a few pages that were obscure. So it was probably a children's encyclopedia. And it had a few pages of obscure sports. Like cheese chasing. Is it Ashbourne that does the Shrove football? Yeah. Where the goal's in the middle of the river? Yeah. Someone died last year playing that. That's an extreme sport. Death. Yeah. A pen stopped working there. It's got an allergy to the paper. 